to the Mickey Dolans Show on KTLV 1220 AM. I'm your host, Mickey Dolans, coming to you from our studio in South Oklahoma City, where we broadcast a weekly radio show that's focused on politics, sports, and entrepreneurship. Today on the show, we have OKCPS School Board candidate for District 2, Nick Singer. Nick, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. So going over your bio, I find it interesting that you started out as an astrophysics major as an undergrad at Penn State. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yes. Uh, like many, a young person, uh, always interested in space and Star Trek and different things. And uh, so wanting to be a little different, I decided to enroll in that program. I didn't end up sticking with it, switched to math uh, after a couple of semesters of physics classes. But the highlight of it was uh, my intro to astronomy class was taught by the gentleman who I cannot pronounce his name <laughs> accurately, so I won't try to, but uh, who discovered the first extrasolar planet. So it's the wow. first planet outside of our solar system. He was the guy that did it. So it was, it was really fascinating hearing his take on <laughs> astronomy. So yeah, you know, I, I can't help but think of the show, The Big Bang Theory. Was that uh, kind of your roommate situation? Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, not quite. I mean, we, it was a diverse group there if, uh, my freshman year. But um, yeah, definitely uh, identify with those guys uh, right. a lot. So. Well, you're very smart, that's for sure. Uh, now you've, you've gone from astrophysics and math and uh, economics to running for school board. Can you tell us a little bit of background behind your life and just growing up and what led you to want to run for school board? Sure. Um, growing up, uh, my father was in the United States Navy, and so we uh, got the opportunity to move around a lot across the country, uh, mostly up and down the eastern seaboard. Um, but it Throughout it, I was educated in public schools, uh, urban, suburban, rural uh, schools in three different states, all public. And so I've, you know, I've seen, I got, I feel like I got a great education. So I've seen public education work. I've seen it in different states. So I can, I feel like I have some vision for where we might need to go as a, as a city. Um, as far as why I got involved here, um, uh, biggest motivating factor is uh, having a, having a child. Um, I have a two and a half year old son, so by the end of my first term, he'll be enrolled in the Oklahoma City Public Schools. And my commitment as part of my campaign is to send him to his neighbor our neighborhood school, which is Monroe Elementary. I live about 200 yards from it. I can stand at the end of my driveway and see it, and so I really feel like that is the motivation to get involved now at this time is to really help shore things up and you know have the best public school experience we can have right here in Oklahoma City. You know, that's saying a lot, telling uh, people that, you know, you know OKCPS is in a tough situation right now, but you're committed to having your own child go to an OKCPS school. And when I was running for office in District 93, oftentimes constituents would ask me if I have children. I said, no, I don't. Well, they said, if you did, would you send them to an Oklahoma City public school? I said, yes, I would. I live right down the street from Southern Hills Elementary. I visited with the principal and the teachers many times. And yeah, we have our problems, but man, we've got some great dedicated teachers there. They just need the support from the state, from the school board and administrators. Absolutely. And and what's been interesting is I've I've really done a grassroots type campaign. So I've been knocking a lot of doors uh, ever since filing. I've hit over a thousand doors at this point. And that conversation just comes up over and over again about, you know, even in areas and, and you know, nicer neighborhoods where they didn't send their kids to the schools, they're they really wish they had that opportunity or that they might have chosen differently. I mean, there's a lot of public support for our schools and, and a real desire, I feel like, in the community to see them succeed and do better. 
So for those people listening at home, what are the boundaries of District 2? Sure. District 2 is in the northwest part of Oklahoma City. So it is um, east of Lake Hefner. Uh, it bordered on the south by Northwest 36, goes all the way up to Britain, and then um, east to Broadway Extension. So um, pretty big square, fully encompasses Nichols Hills, southern part of the village, and then uh, near northwest Oklahoma City. You're listening to the Mickey Dolan Show on KTLV 1220 AM. I have OKCPS School Board candidate Nick Singer with me today. Nick, what has been your involvement in uh, education in our community? Well, my day job is with the Oklahoma Education Association. I do uh, legislative work helping to inform and um, explain to full-time teachers, you know, what's happening um, at the Capitol that directly impacts their job and their lives. Uh, so I'm very um, involved in, in policy and how our state is really uh, underfunding our, our public schools um, and, and a lot of those issues, especially relating to teacher pay, class sizes, and you know unfunded mandates that are often brought down from on high. So I feel like that really informs me um, from an education standpoint. My wife also is a, a former uh, district employee. She worked in, at, in the central office at Oklahoma City for a few years. She has her PhD in education administration. So I get it at home a lot, too, as far as, um, you know, what the challenges are facing our um, public schools. And I think, you know, Oklahoma City uh, should be a much stronger voice in explaining what is happening at our state and in our city to our kids and how we could do a better job and, and where the public really needs to get involved or step up um, to help make some better schools a reality. You know, your track record really speaks for itself. You've been really a, a strong advocate for public education. When did you begin your work with OEA? I've only been with OEA since uh, last March, so coming up on a year. But um, before that, I was doing some work with a nonprofit, doing um, organizing the community. I got to work on organizing some candidate forums around school board races. So I've been inside of schools, talked to students, to teachers, to parents, really had an opportunity to hear people. And then again, the way I'm running my campaign is I am knocking a lot of doors and having conversations with hundreds of voters on their doorstep. And, you know, I'm, I'm meeting parents, I'm meeting people who sent their kids, you know, in a previous generation to the schools. And so those stories are really informing, you know, the kind of policies I'd like to see at the district level, but also just the the need for more engagement from the public in our public schools and how that might be done differently. You mentioned you've been knocking on a lot of doors. What has been your experience in that regard? Do you find that people are skeptical or open? or Once they know who you are, do they have a lot to say or has it been pretty The positive? conversations have been fantastic. I mean, what <laughs> the way I've kind of summarized it lately is there's this sort of like collective insanity where everybody is kind of playing this system, you know, where there's a few good schools, but a lot of our neighborhood schools are really struggling. And the families aren't that thrilled with it. I mean, they, many of them would like to have done what I'm, you know, promising to do and attend their neighborhood schools for various reasons, concerns about the quality of it or whatever. They did not do that. But there is a real sense that that, that isn't what they would have done ideally. And so I think pulling all that together and really trying to build the case for our public schools and really try to find a way to get the community re-engaged with them, I think is a, you know, a central part of what I want to do. 
What do you think is the number one biggest challenge facing OKCPS right now? So the biggest challenge, I would say, from like just what the board does, which is their main role is, you know, hiring and firing the superintendent is we've got to stop the revolving door of leadership. Mm -hmm. It's it's really hard to get any momentum going or any uh, changing of the culture when you're hiring and firing a superintendent every two years. I mean, the last superintendent we hired and there is an incumbent for this seat, you know, we hired him a couple years ago, paid him twice as much money. He you know, didn't bring his family here. He was from out of state. And, and then you end up firing him within two years. I mean, that you can argue hindsight's twenty twenty, but there was a lot of kind of handwriting on the wall on that deal. And we just need to stop doing that. I mean, we, we got to be find people who are committed to the community, who are going to stick around, who, you know, have the skills and talent and knowledge necessary to make the schools better and and have a long term vision. So it starts at the top. I, I think so. I mean, especially for what the school board does. I mean, they, you know, the school board doesn't probably need to be in there micromanaging the district. But, um, yeah, I mean, you absolutely have to have some stability with, with the superintendent. Um, I also think, you know, the board should be better advocates. I mean, knocking doors, as you know, as many candidates know, is a critical part of the electoral process. And there are stories and experiences and information you can only get by doing that. And so I feel like somewhat Oklahoma City has a bad rap. Like I feel like some of the maybe low performing, and I'm doing air quotes for those that can't see it, schools aren't as bad as folks think. And I think they'd be more willing to send their kids there if they, you know, if a board member was willing to engage them, if the school, you know, was better equipped to engage families in the neighborhoods. So I think part of it is public relations in a lot of ways. I mean, the, the board needs to be out there making the case for our schools because, you know, and I think we may get to this conversation a little bit but later, but the charter model where you have a few good schools and leave a lot behind, I mean, it's it's really creating a big divide in our community. And I think that's not right. what many of us want. Yeah, many people are concerned about the achievement gap between uh, many wealthy students or the impoverished. You know, in Oklahoma City Public Schools, unfortunately, many of our students do come from a socio-economic uh, background that isn't ideal. And it's tough as educators to to play counselor and teacher and all these different roles while also doing our job as educators. What, is, what are your ideas and ways in which we can... Um, we can close this achievement gap between the students who are more well-off and those who have tougher home lives. Sure. Well, so the first thing that always comes to mind is, for me, is is like children don't pick their parents. So, I mean, I think, you know, you, there, you hear a lot of conversation about parent involvement. It's absolutely critical. But I think we have to kind of reassess, you know, getting uh, real worked up about parents because it's really all about the kid, the children. Mm-hmm. Like, we got to focus on what's best for them. And so then I start to think, what do I want for my child? You know, like one of the stories I've heard from many of our elementary schools is the cuts, the budget cuts over the years, we've eliminated art and music and PE. And, you know, I can't imagine a school that I would send my child to that doesn't have those things. And I can tell you in the neighborhoods I'm knocking doors at where they're sending their children to Heritage Hall or Cassidy or, or many of these charters, or even some of these more affluent elementary schools where maybe the PTA is able to raise $30,000 and hire an art teacher, like they expect their child to have those things. So I think we need to approach it from an uh, approach of 
okay, if we think this is an important thing for children to have, they all need to have it. Like we need to make sure that we have the resources, the things in place to give every child art, music, PE, extracurriculars. I mean, you know, things that keep kids engaged in school, excited about school and, and give them different outlets. You know, when I was growing up, I had a goal of earning a football scholarship. And that was the thing that dictated my decisions in the classroom, outside of the classroom, was I knew if I wanted to earn a scholarship, I had to go to class, I had to make good grades, had to stay out of trouble. And those that goal dictated everything I did from there on out. I feel that if we're taking away extracurriculars, we're taking away sports programs. I know at my school at Grant, when I used to teach there, they took away the golf program. We had some really talented golfers who were looking at getting scholarships, and those dreams were destroyed when we had to cut that extracurricular. It is very important. In which ways will you work with the school board and, and, and advocate f to keep those extracurriculars in place? I mean, I think we just have to make the case to the voters. I mean, I think it's really about going out and saying, you know, a parent told me the other day on the doors that they're considering moving their child from a school because they eliminated the strings program that their daughter loved at the school. I mean, you know, the board needs to carry that message forward. I mean, if, if it's budget cuts they're limiting, you know, if it's deciding between hiring a math teacher and hiring a, a strings teacher, I mean, maybe maybe we need to, maybe we don't have a spending problem, maybe we have a revenue problem, and maybe we need to be articulating that and explaining to voters. Because I think, especially the voters in Oklahoma City, they're receptive to you know, you get what you pay for. And and if you can make the case that, look, I mean, here's what we're spending money on. Here's where we're deficient. You know, we need X, Y, and Z. I really do believe that many voters would be willing to say, okay, that's a reasonable expense. Like we can find a way to fund it or get folks at the legislature that are willing to do that. So I want to go back to charter schools. You, you touched on that mm -hmm. earlier. How should o Oklahoma City Public Schools approach their charter expansion with KIPP and John Rex? So there's a really wide range on charters. Um, I mean, you know, many of them do all right performance-wise, some not so great. Where where I get concerned is, is are we providing every child, charter, regular public school, whatever, an opportunity to have a great education? And if we're not, that is the problem. Like, it's not necessarily the model on how we get there, but it's, it's is every child getting a great education. And so where I see this appearing with charter schools is, um, you know, you have some charters that have ways of, for lack of a better term, gerrymandering their population. I mean, they you know, don't provide transportation, they require you to apply and then maybe do a lottery, you know, you have to win a lottery to get in. Then, you know, if you don't adhere to certain things, then maybe you don't stay in that school. Well, that's not, that's not how, like, it's a, it's an uneven playing field. Like the regular public schools don't do that. And you really see it show up, I think, in um, certain statistics, mobility rates, special ed rates. Your regular public schools have lots of kids that move around a lot, and they also have very high special education rates. And your charter schools have incredibly low mobility rates and, and much lower, on average, special ed rates. And so, I mean, I think we need to do a little more investigation on maybe what's causing that. But I don't think we can, I don't feel comfortable saying we should create a system where there's, you know, five, six, seven, eight thousand good seats when there's 45,000 students in the system, because 
that's a huge gap <laughs> that you, you know that you're not addressing and and again i really think it comes back to if 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 we want a school to have certified teachers art music you know these things they should all have it and and so we sh that should be the fight is how do we create it for everybody not how do we each get our own little island of good schools and go our own way i, I just it's there's a lot of concerns i have um in building a system that way yeah you know over 93 percent of students in oklahoma go to public schools so mm -hmm. i feel we need to divert our attention and resources and focus into making those public schools the very best we can however right now i know in south oklahoma city many of our schools are overcrowded mm -hmm. some kids are going to lunch as early as 10 a.m and then some are going as late as 1 30. what can we do about the overcrowding in our schools well, so, you know, demographic shift, populations move, parts of the city change. Um, there was a school bond passed in November that, you know, addressed some, like, critical issues around technology, HVAC units, um, busing, buses. Uh, I think there's going to be a new bond coming very soon, and what that looks like is largely determined by the school board and whatever process they embark upon to build that bond. You know, my vision for a, a school bond is one with the most amount of public participation. I mean, this is our opportunity to invest in communities where that are struggling, that are um, overcrowded, that are, you know, have not been addressed. And I think that's better for all of us, you know, give, when you hyper concentrate a lot of resources in a few places you, and you leave a lot of people behind, I mean, you just sort of amplify existing problems, whether that's poverty or overcrowding or whatever. I mean, I think we could really look at the next bond to be much more equitable and really address, you know, get the most bang for our buck. Like if we spend our money where it's really going to change kids' lives, I mean, that you know, if ideally is going to pay off in the future. I mean, we're investing where it, it's most needed. I mean, you should see that in more students who are ready for college, lower crime rates. I mean, lots. you should see that in lots of ways. And so that's really where I approach it. But I really think the public has to get deeply involved in this because we're talking about hundreds of millions of dollars and it could happen incredibly quickly after the next election. Right. Are there any other concerning issues uh, you have regarding the Oklahoma City Public Schools that other people may have overlooked? Um, you know, I, I, I think there is a, a bit of a, a PR problem. I, I, I think a lot of folks, and I sort of touched on it earlier, but I, I think people maybe historically may have had a bad experience or, you know, you only hear what shows up in the paper, which is often negative. I mean, I think every day there are children showing up, seeing a great teacher in a, with a building, in a building with a great principal and having a, a good experience. And I don't think we're necessarily hearing that um, often enough. So, I mean, I, I, I really see the board position as, as an advocacy position. I mean, going out and making the case about what's working and then if there's stuff that's not, you know, really trying to drill down on that. But I think it needs to be more than just like a casual volunteer position. I think you really see that in the last cycle of school board people elected four years ago. I mean, it, mm -hmm. it, wasn't, it wasn't a big focus, I feel like. I mean, you know, people showed up to the meetings, but then you don't really hear from them 
you know, I want this to be much more of a public engagement, public relations type position where we're getting out and making the case for our schools. And you got to give credit to Superintendent Aurora Laura for hosting the teacher for a day with the other super uh, with the other school board members. They recruited or asked for community leaders and some legislators to go into a, an OKCPS school for a day and really get a feel for what it was like. And I'll tell you my experience real quick. I went to Southern Hills and I shadowed a kindergarten teacher. Mr. Whaley, and I expected to go in and the kids would be wild and it would be out of control. But man, I walked in and he had them listening. He had them learning and he was teaching them manners and everything else that you would expect of a kindergarten teacher. And I, and I was so impressed. And later during lunch, I said, man, I'm so happy that the school has you. And he goes, well, I won't be here for much longer. I said, why not? He goes, well, I'm in graduate school right now because I want to become a, a, an administrator. I said, well, let me guess. Better, it pays better. It makes more financial sense. He said, exactly. He said, if I was paid as a teacher, what I would be, what I will be paid as a, an administrator, there's no way I'd leave the classroom. And I've probably heard that story over a hundred times. We are losing teachers to different states. We're losing teachers who become administrators. And some are just leaving the profession altogether. We're in a crisis right now. Oh, uh, absolutely. And and where I feel like you really see it. And again, like the board, I don't feel has necessarily been as strong on some of those issues because, I mean, your teachers are one, I mean, the biggest line item in your school budget by far. So they're critically important to this um, effort. And um I mean, you're even starting to see it now in college enrollments. I mean, many of the colleges of education across the state are down double digits year over year. So, I mean, it's like if we're already in a teaching shortage crisis and they're not enrolling nearly enough kids to fill positions that are going to be open in the future because our student population is growing year after year after year, that is a big deal. And, you know, and, and especially in Oklahoma City, when you're in a high poverty, um, you know, more challenging district for a multitude of reasons, you know, having rock bottom pay is really hard to recruit people and really hard to get the top talent you need to really make a difference in these children's lives. So yeah, teacher pay is an ultra critical um, thing that we need to be speaking to. And we have some plans rolling out in the state legislature for increased teacher pay. One of the bills I'm working on will focus on retaining and uh, re retaining quality teachers and reducing attrition, which in turn will increase stability and help students. I'm trying to figure out, do you have any recommendations for ways in which we can keep our teachers besides just the teacher pay? I know that mandates are a big deal, high stakes testing. These are all things that are on the table. Really the biggest issue I hear time and time again is class size. And it's and what's interesting about it to me is, is when I hear teachers tell the story about how class size, you know, I mean, one is the, the basic idea of, you know, 25 to 30 kids. I mean, that's five more papers you have to grade. That's five more kids you have to learn the name. That's five more, you know, of everything. So, I mean, that's significant. But the real deal of it is, is it impacts their ability to do their job. When you have a much larger class, it's harder for them to build relationships with those children. It's harder for them to spend that critical one-on-one -on -one time with them. And that is really, I feel like in many ways, what, um, you know, hurts the profession even more than the pay, though teachers desperately need a raise, is the, is the large class sizes. It, it just makes the experience of teaching so much less enjoyable and functional that they really, um, 
you know, it, it's hard to keep them in, in it for many years because it's so, so much more stressful. So, you know, and if paying teachers is going to be expensive, hiring a lot more teachers is, you know, I mean, it's, it's really a, a revenue issue. I mean, you've got to have the money to pay the salaries and the benefits and the things you need to keep good folks in the classroom. You bring up a great point. So how can others get involved in your race? Do you have a website or a Facebook page? Yes, my uh, Facebook and website are both uh, nickforokc.org. Uh, that's N-I-C-K-F-O-R-O-K-C. You can just type that into Facebook and it'll pop up or go to the .org and that'll get you to my website. Um, there's going to be a, a candidate forum actually uh, in the south side of Oklahoma City uh, next Tuesday, uh, February 7th. Um, it'll start at 6 p.m. at Latino Community Development Agency. That'll be an opportunity to see uh, districts one and two in the chair race. Um, and then there's also another one on uh, this coming Sunday. Uh, so that'd be the what the fifth at um, four o'clock. So right before the Super Bowl, you can get over to uh, Mayflower UCC. That'll be put on by an organization called Voice, and that'll be I think just focused on the chair race. But that's another thing on the ballot is the. Uh, uh, chair race for Oklahoma City School Board. So, and the big election is on February fourteenth, Valentine's Day. Yep, Valentine's Day, February fourteenth, coming up uh, in just under two weeks. Man, that's exciting. Man, I wish you all the best. That's all the time we have today. But Nick, thank you for being on the show. Thanks a lot. Thanks for having me. And everyone who's listening, I appreciate you for tuning in. You can catch me every Wednesday night at five p.m. on twelve twenty a.m. and live streaming on KTLV.com. You can hear this episode and all previous recordings on a recently launched podcast channel, The Mickey Dolan Show. Thanks again, and have a great week.